I'm Sue Matters, and with us this afternoon is Gary Farmer, who is in town to do a presentation um, a little earlier today at the Warm Springs K-3 Academy. Ben Films having a presentation of Reservation Dogs uh, this evening at the Madras Performing Arts Center. And so uh, that's what he's doing here. Yeah, thank you. We should start with a song, maybe. We should start with a song. So um, talk a little bit. So Gary Farmer is an actor that a lot of people know from pretty much every native film that's been made or TV show in the last, I don't know, what, 30 years, would you say? Yeah, I've been an actor for 47 years. But Scano, Scano Swaguego, Nagaso Hayantwes. When I sure what they know, it goes quite easy. I just wanted to shout out my language, uh, Cayuga language. I'm Haudenosaunee or Six Nations uh, Iroquois. Uh, they like to refer, the French referred to us as, as Iroquois. And, uh, you know, I'm happy to be here among the people here up on the top of the mountain. It's a very special place, Warm Springs. It's my first time, and I'm happy to be on the radio with you all. I love radio. Yeah, there's there's some radio history we'll talk about. Do you want me to play this song? Yeah. So one of the other things he does is he's got a band he plays in, Gary Former and the Troublemakers. Well, this isn't a Troublemaker song. It's actually a song I'm working on with um, a friend. We recorded this seven years ago in a studio in Santa Fe, New Mexico. His name is Brock Stonefish, uh, a well-known uh, performer himself in Ontario, Canada, uh, he's a guitar player, singer, songwriter. And um, this is a song we recorded several years ago that we're just remixing. This is a rough mix, but I thought it was a really important song for our residential school survivors. And uh, here we go, Brock Stonefish. I just want to go Back to the place I was born Instead I lay here all alone With this itchy blanket As she said I'd make it If I sang her song I wondered what happened my friend, the ones I'd have till the end. I guess I'll see them again. She said, Go to sleep, tomorrow you can weep. Then she sang a song. Black card with my brother, little sister It took me from my mother, I never kissed her Why couldn't it be any other, oh, holy mister Instead I'm all alone, I can't find a home But I can sing a song I'm home, I sing a song from long ago, before I was born, when I'm home. 
Stonefish uh, recording live in Santa Fe, New Mexico about seven years ago. Uh, we've just revived these tracks. To, uh, we got four tracks of Brock's original music, and we produced it at Kitchen Sink Studios there. And, uh, you know, I'm acting as a producer on it just to get Brock some music to play, get some radio play. And uh, they're just, he's such a special vocalist, and he's so... He carries so much emotion and strength in his voice. He represents Tecumseh's people, uh, Delaware Nation, very strongly in Ontario and around the world. He's part of a big uh, guitar giveaway. He builds guitars, uh, takes old used parts from guitars he can find and gets donations from local record stores. And then he goes to powwows because he's a powwow singer. And every, every powwow that he attends, he gives out a guitar uh, to a child. And he's been doing young ladies of lace and he just trying to raise money right now to get two guitars up to women one in Alberta one in northern Ontario he needs help with shipping costs so he's got he's a big-hearted musician who's been underexposed 
and I'm just trying to help bring his music yeah. to the world. You know, I was not not that I was stalking you on Facebook, but since I knew you were coming this week to Warm Springs, by the way, Gary Farmer with us here in KWSO, I saw like some video from one of those giveaways, and I was like, oh, I wonder what that's about. So yeah. now, like, boom, I know. So that's very very cool. So the whole music thing seems pretty important. To you. I mean, acting, I guess, is sort of important too. But you really seem to be passionate about music, both playing it, but but like in this case, you're supporting it and producing it, and you know what. What are the, the different sort of elements of music that you think, uh, you know, just draw you into it? Well, for me, as a songwriter, um, or a co-songwriter in this case, with my f- six tracks I sent to you, um, you know, sometimes, uh, you know, I was thinking about going, when I was going to the school this morning, and what am I going to say to them sometimes? And I was thinking, you know, why do, why do I songwrite? And, you know, you live in a community, let's say here in Warm Springs, and you see how things are going. And sometimes things aren't going the way you envision them to go. And sometimes you don't have the ability to politically change with the way things are going. But always as the human, you, the artist, can write a song that lets people know how you feel about a particular issue. And that song can go in all kinds of directions and come back to kind of pay off for an audience that makes them think about that very issue. And, geez, that's a good idea. And so to me, songwriting is about, you know, making people think and telling stories that are relevant in our current world when sometimes we are just existing day to day getting food on the table, and we forget about some of the things that we can participate in as a community and some of the things we can make better for future generations. So to me, that's what songwriting's about. So it's it's even more than just self-expression, but it's self-expression almost with a purpose. Oh, for sure. Um, I mean, not all my songs have purpose. Some are just fun. <laughs> um, you know, like Toughest Girl in the World, which I think you've been playing some um, – People seem to really like that song. Uh, but to me, it's about empowering women, right? That women are powerful and, and there's a lot of potential. And you can fall deeply in love with these women. <laughs> and it doesn't necessarily mean you'll be able to keep them, but we have to support their their true strength, right? And, uh, you know, so I have fun with that stuff too. You know, especially uh, women, which I feel, you know, as I told some of the children today, we live in this paternalistic society and we've forgotten that we've come from mother, you know. That is, and so when you, in your other aspects of your life beyond music and, and acting and, you know, I mean, I don't know, do you choose roles or do people just come to you and they, you know, do you just take everything people offer you? Or is is sort of the messaging or the point? I mean, obviously a show like Reservation Dogs is pretty significant for especially reservation communities to see themselves reflected in a lot mm-hmm. of that. Um, does that ever factor in or is part of it also just, you know, you got to make a living, I guess? Yeah, I got to make a living, of course. Uh, it's, you know, I made more money in the 80s than I do now. Um, with the advent of streaming and such, there's probably a hundred times more content than when I was a young actor. And there wasn't near as many actors, right? So it's very competitive. And now I'm that much older, near 70. So I'm in my 70th year. And I'm still having to work uh, to sustain. So, um, 
some yeah, most of the times people come with material to me, they know, oh, this is for Gary. I need Gary. So most of the content I do is very specifically got my name all over it. But for instance, this week I just had to turn down Neighborhood, uh, which is a Cedric the Entertainer uh kind of situation comedy I think it's on CBS every week like it's a mainstream television program it would have been a unique situation I don't do studio comedy a lot so in that situation you're doing basically four days of rehearsal with the script on the fifth day you shoot one episode you shoot the whole story a half hour 23 24 minutes probably and uh, with just no audience and then they'll bring a studio audience and you'll reshoot it with a, a studio audience. And, of course, they'll build a laugh track as they see fit around that. But uh, that's always a, a fascinating process. It's more theater-based, which I come from. I'm more of a theater-based actor. So and that, I missed, you know, the show doesn't have that much poignancy as far as having something to say. It's total entertainment, yeah. I can see. But it's all black folk, so it's all part of the BIPOC community, so to speak. And so I would have been happy to participate, but I had to be in Warm Springs, Oregon, so I couldn't do Neighborhood this week. But, yeah, uh, material just seems to come to me, the right, especially at my age. Everyone knows me like the back of their hand. Uh, material comes as, as, as it sees fit for me. As far as things like these newer, you know, kind of native, um, I don't know, native-created shows – I'm, it's like almost a golden age, I think, at this point in time. Can you just speak a little bit to that? And did you ever think you'd see this? I really didn't. I, you know, me, I took a different approach uh, because I was very uh, young into the entertainment business. I could quickly see they were taking our stories and making TV out of them in the 80s. Uh, we weren't getting any credit. We were making very little money uh, at that end. So my concept was, okay, we need our own network. Uh, we need our own system. Let's build a radio network in the country first. All the good content that comes from that, there we can see which one should be the movie or which one should be the half-hour situation comedy. So I was ahead of my game. I went for the network right off first. But now you can see we get canceled on Rutherford Falls. We got no backup plan. We don't have our own network to say we do have our own network in Canada, but there's all these residential issues with trying to get American content on Canadian TV because they should buy up Rutherford Falls right away, but they may not have the budget to produce it yet. So it's a complexity of production, but I think it's an interesting question for the future of young Native kids to realize that they can you know, really create content, but we need our own network now. Yeah, I think that's definitely so. And I think there is more, sh I mean, obviously, because of the internet and technology, there's more sharing of content, as you sort of mentioned. But also So I was 25 years ahead of my time. Yeah. But it's well documented, so the history is there. The effort is there for the young to take advantage. Well, and definitely there's programs, and I think they come out of CBC, that have been picked up by Native Voice One, which is the uh, the Native Public Radio Satellite System Network, you know. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, we run a couple of them, you know. Of course. Because they're good programs. Oh, yeah, you know? like uh, so Undisputed, some, or I forget the name of the there's daily. There's Unreserved. Unreserved, one, yeah. She's an excellent journalist. One, yeah. there's, there's one... 
Sort of like I just did one the Kim movie. Wheeler show. She's doing it for uh, the one up in the sky, uh, mm, Sirius. That's right. I know, and uh, people say that you know they ask about that if there's a a network on Sirius, and I think there is. Huh? Yeah, there's a few native programmers that have been a long time associated with Sirius. Mm. Brian McLeod had his own show. He's the one that wrote the uh, encyclopedia on native music, the first volume. Wow. Yeah. What a great project that was. He did been. a lot of great research to let us know for radio stations uh, where is the music and who did it. And he did the research on the tribal affiliations and all that. So it's a well, it's a, and he, I'm not sure he got to the second volume. He's probably my age now, so I'm not sure he published the second volume because there's been just an explosion of native music on the scene contemporarily and very popular, you know, very pop. Do you get any say on, like, the musical selections on Reservation Dogs? Because people have enjoyed, I think, some of the exposure that has uh, given to some of the Native artists. Uh, Sterling's on his own track with that music. Uh, Where I'm having success with our players, our musicians, is with a series called Resident Alien. Uh, It's it's the old uh, Chris Sheridan ran um, Family Guy uh, that's, you know, animated series for years. And we do this uh, kind of alien sci-fi comedy murder, she wrote, like series, uh, Resident Alien, which you can find on uh, Peacock Network in two seasons or uh, 26 episodes available right now. And I've probably got 10 Native musicians' music in that show over the course of the two seasons. And he plays probably another 15 tracks of Native people he's found of contemporary music playing in that series. Um, You know, Sterling's picking on a lot more content like the episode we'll see tonight at tonight's event where we do a a Tom Petty song. as a kind of a traditional (laughs) song. It's a lot of fun. But, you know, he, he seems on another track. I don't see a lot of... Indigenous music, uh, I mean, some traditional songs right in the show, of course, but a lot of the impact of music is is coming more from the bigger world, it seems. Um, all right, well, let's talk some more about, like, what's your average day like these days? Or, you know, I guess it depends on the time of the year. I mean, you're on two sort of ongoing shows, right? And, I mean, you're doing music. You're showing up for like Ben Ben Film Festival and things like that, so you must have some, you know, other kinds of obligations in the industry. And what's I mean, I guess maybe not your average day, but just you know what occupies your time. You know everything. I'm uh, extremely busy. If I I keep myself busy uh, creatively, uh, I guess I, uh, you know, in my older age, I can see the years ticking by. I can see. Uh, more things in perspective. I've been a, an artist at large for 47 years, and um, I just see so many things I can a- attach myself to, be a part of, uh, help make happen. I'm in a place where people listen to me more than they did when I was 35, uh, and my creativity has seems to have no bounds. I'm secure because I have a job from January to June of 2023, which is very rare for an actor to can count on economy till literally all year next year. I have to fit res dogs in. 
I got, uh, you know, probably 12 episodes of uh, Resident Alien to participate in. That gives me time. I'm only working a couple days a week in that show in particular. So it gives me a lot of free time to do my own projects. I'll continue to write music. I'll continue to make appearances that are important for people, especially in my indigenous community in North America. And I'm very involved politically as well at levels like I just became the ambassador for the uh, uh, Indigenous Cannabis Industry Association. So we're on a, a campaign to have uh, tribal communities grow hemp, which is very beneficiary to the earth. It's not necessarily the THC cannabis. It's the hemp cannabis, which has CBD value, but no THC value. And so we're getting communities to grow more hemp on their territory because it puts carbon and dioxide, it takes it from the air where it shouldn't be, and it puts it back into the earth. And it doesn't use much water. So I'm being a lot of uh, heading to Washington, D.C. in mid-November to speak to the House of, uh, you know, the Senate and stuff on hearings regarding this issue and uh, attending a lot of meetings in tribal communities, trying to get them to realize the possibilities and the potential. And, of course, the potential in Warm Strings is pretty enormous because of the amount of land you have. So I didn't know that till I arrived, and my eyes are just wide open with the potential. And uh, communities in northern New Mexico, for instance, are doing a lot of fracking. Native communities in Oklahoma are doing a lot of fracking, and if I can do anything to get them after fracking oil and getting into growing hemp and revitalizing our land, which have been, you know, exploited for so many years with chemical farming, is the perfect plant to move forward with. And, and I mean, I won't get into this, but for your the education piece around like why do people think hemp is not good is like such a you know sort of big business i mean hemp used to be everything used to be made of hemp it was yeah. like a you know a giant industry and then i don't know what happened i think maybe plastic happened or well something yeah like. it was i grew up in niagara falls the chemical industry armpit of the world and that's what happened i did some research and it was dow chemical that's you know, basically got America not denying hemp and moving forward with, you know, pulp and paper, uh, cutting down numerous forests around the globe and Central and South America as well. They're, they're ripping and tearing in South America right now for absolutely no reason. So it's a lot of large education, and it's complicated to know the the power of America's economic concepts have caused us as human beings on our environmental life and our way of life. So it's, it's going to be a challenge turning that around, especially with the general public, uh, you know. But the knowledge and the information is out there more than ever via the web now, so you can find out more about this on your own and help do some research to make these kind of changes need to happen. Well, and just talking about the benefits of it from like a carbon footprint point of view is, I mean, that that's all, this is the time to strike for that, you know, with, with climate change sort of, yeah. you know, hopefully getting some attention. 
we need those trees. We can't continue to cut them down for paper, especially because we have alternatives, viable, cheaper, and more environmentally conscious choices. Yeah. Well, that was an interesting turn. Little did I know I hadn't gotten the the hemp research piece done, I guess. Um, What are the other kinds of things that you're coming across? This is just from the other day, uh, visiting a little bit, um, and uh, you're on a little bit of a road trip. Yeah, I'm on this collecting trophies world trip. Uh, You know, I I made some fun. I recently got my... uh, uh, my first, I went to the university for a number of years, but never got a degree. And some years ago, I tried to bring all those credits together to see if anyone would uh, give me a degree or I had to work a few courses to get the degree. I'm not sure why I wanted it but uh, at my age, but uh, I got my first honorary degree from um, Fort Lewis College in Durango, Colorado, just recently after I gave the commencement speech, the board of directors were all on stage with us and they unanimously voted to give me an honorary degree that day. And I just got it in the mail. It says, you know, honorary, Bachelor of Arts. And so now I'm on this mission to get the honorary master's and the honorary doctorate. Just looking for the universities, they're going to do it. Um, but that's been a lot of fun. Uh, I went to get some uh, uh, car insurance just recently. I'm a used car. I'm into used cars, not new cars. Uh, besides, they don't tell you what to do, the old ones. So it's really, I just love the old cars. Uh, you know, another cheap car that I'm going to move to Vancouver with. And um, I uh, went to get some insurance from AAA. And he says, do you have a college degree? And I said, well, I, I just got an honorary Bachelor of Arts. And he checked it off. I got a college degree. And I got cheaper rates on my car insurance. So it's already proved itself valuable. But uh I'm having a lot of fun collecting these awards. You know, today I just got a beautiful award. And uh, Linda and I were looking at it saying, geez, that looks awfully male dominant. But I, I, then I realized, oh, no, that's the they're really big into the uh, uh, giant monster in the bush, right? Um, you got a lot of names for him. Bigfoot, I guess. Is Sasquatch, one of them. yeah. Sasquatch and all that. So I thought, oh, maybe it's Sasquatch because <laughs> it was such a male dominant mm-hmm. character. But then I realized, you know, Ben's really into uh, the Sasquatch. So I think it's that. Bend is a, you know, somewhere in central Oregon. It's a high desert. Warm Springs sort of in the north central Oregon area and Bend's mm. a little south of here. And so yeah. Bend and Warm Springs, two very different places. Oh, but for sure. We, we definitely, you know, exist in the same neighborhood. And they, I just love their acknowledgement last night at the, uh, the start of the Bend Film Festival going now to the end of the weekend. And online all the way to the 20th of the month. Uh, excellent programming, by the way. For those wanting to see world cinema at its best, please check out the Ben Film Festival online if you can't make the live ones this weekend. But it's a very, uh, it's in its 19th year. So there's some filmmakers here in the building that got their films into that festival. And that festival just got qualified. So now those young Native filmmakers can get Oscar nominated through the Bend Film Festival. Isn't that great? Uh, it's an exciting process. But, yeah, that's all. That's just great. And I have to say, coming out of COVID, because the Bend Film Festival was like all online, as so many things were. But now, you know, they're having their live event, but that there is opportunity afterwards for like Yeah, you can go online too. for that all the way to the 20th or 23rd. I forget. What yeah, the... Bend Film's been great to us here at KWSO. And there was like a film festival they helped with here. And, you know, I could see that 
that growing and Mm -hmm. because for us i mean not just in radio and audio and podcasting and that kind of thing but all sorts of media work including you know video or film or i mean graphic arts all this stuff to to you know encourage kids to pursue what interests them and if that's it it's something that they could do right here I know it, and just to seeing the impact of these films from literally around the world come to your little town and expose audiences here. You know, I don't think people realize the value of a film festival in a community because it's not like watching TV, commercial television. They're they're digging deeper into issues that are vital uh, for human existence yeah. much of the time. Yeah. And, and there's a, a, some good humor there too, but uh, it's worth uh, taking a look at some of this program if you're looking for something different and new. Gary Farmer live at KWSO.